Hello everyone and welcome back to The Film Aspect. This is the show where a couple of Scottish lads talk all aspects of film. We are your hosts, Aaron and Brian, back with another episode. And one that's been a little bit delayed actually because uh, we had scheduling conflicts over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what have you been up to, Bry Dog? Uh, nothing. I'm assuming you're talking <laughs> to me because there's no one else in the call, but uh, I've never went by that, nor do I wish to ever go by that name. He's so, lying. Um, I've heard all of his friends call him that. I am the master at coming up with nicknames that people absolutely hate, by the way, Aaron, so it's a very thin line you're walking. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> on, I, I've never heard about this skill. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. I'll be expecting a, a, a nickname by next week. That's fine. Or well, next episode. Um, because, yeah. I, I, I'm sitting here eating grapes. There's a good, good uh, podcast and etiquette, but um, we have decided that we're go, you know we're kind of struggling in a sense to do the weekly episodes just because the two of us have got jobs. Brian's going back to uni. The man, the man hate, that hates uni, is going back to uni. Um, but yeah, the, the, and then I'm working full time, and it's been coming a bit, you know a wee bit more difficult. We've, we were quite flexible with our recording times before, and now it's just kind of never quite lining up as easily as we would like so as a as a result we're kind of thinking that we're going to take a step back from the the weekly schedule and do something a little bit more relaxed for us because i think it kind of kind of takes away a bit of the fun as well doesn't it like when we're like oh fuck like try to squeeze it in you know when yeah when you're doing this or that so we're gonna ease up a little and i think we're going to be going for every like two weeks pretty much uh, and that'll give us I was going to say that will give us more time for when, like, if we do, like, a big Scorsese episode again, but I know I'm going to watch them on the day of or the day before. That's just the way, it's just the way it goes. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about, this is the, this is the highly anticipated follow-up, we're uh, going to be talking about our top five female performances today, and no doubt, I've got some picks that Brian's probably, no, you know what, I think you're going to really like my picks today. You think so? I wouldn't be surprised if some of my picks are some of your picks. I would be very surprised if they are. <laughs> but um, yeah, before we get started on that though, you heard anything, anything interesting? No, nothing. What's the new Matrix trailer? It was shite. Just putting that in there. Looks you pish. The film talk looks a pish. Load of pish. The you, film. You talk a lo- no. Looks shite. I'm sorry, but it does. It looks shite. <laughs> I don't even like what what about it do you think looks shit? I just don't think it looks like an entertaining movie. I think it looks like they're trying they're, they're trying so hard to bring um elements of you know pop culture outside of the matrix into it. I what I said all along it just looks like they're riding this the Keanu Reeves resurgence and it's just John Wick in a matrix movie. That's what I think it's going to be. I think that's that is a that is a risk with this movie, but the reason I think I think that won't be in the case in in a sense because like I think the, the the number one thing that you, that people kind of point out with that is that obviously he's got the same hair and the same beard as like Neo eh, sorry John Wick, which is a bit weird considering the hairstyles that Neo had in the previous movies. I think though this is just part of the simulation, kind of part of like the. Oh look, it's Keanu Reeves, but it's not like Neil. But then when he becomes Neil or whatever is happening with that, he's he's gonna get his classic look. But I I'm excited. Uh, I think from some of the the clips you've seen, I'm really hoping that they go wild with the the, the action because I think 
some of the action in the previous movies. I was watching Reloaded the other day. And like, see that Agent Smith fight? That is some cool shit. I don't like give a... Like, people say it looks terrible or whatever. But that's like literally the only thing. It wasn't limited by their imagination. It was just the, the technical aspects of the time. You know, being nearly 20 years old. So having like the kind of imagination of back then but now the technology to keep up with it i think that's just so exciting i'm i'm buzzing i'm I'm so buzzing for it i'm like proper hyped no nah. i've not even seen Re- revelations or revs uh, whatever the last one was called in like ages so i've got the 4k they're ready to go hopefully i'll get to that this this weekend see my big issue with the matrix is because the whole the whole selling point and the whole reason for its success is because of how revolutionary it was for the time but it's not mm. going to be the case in 2021 2022 it's just it's just going to be if if they go full on it's just going to be another full on action movie that we've seen for the past 10 years so i don't think they've got anything to pull out the bag to make this you know super special to make it live because they're trying desperately so hard to have it live up to the first film that's that is the goal the goal is that this is just as good as the first matrix and i just i don't think that they have it in them i don't i just don't think that that is a film that can be made in this climate so i don't i'm just i don't have i don't have many hopes for it <laughs> fingers crossed though because i'm just kind of excited over the idea of being able to go and see a matrix movie in the cinema obviously that was see, like that's the kind of thing though that people are expecting and people are gonna the people are hoping that the, the movie makers I think are hoping that people will count on that nostalgia and be like oh my god I haven't seen a Matrix movie before so seeing it in the cinema they're going to be like oh my god that was amazing I got to see the Matrix in the cinema and that in, in people's estimations that will make the film better than it actually is and I think that is another thing they're banking on it's the same well I mean I, but I suppose that's kind of like what made you know The Force Awakens so special I think and like exactly and it's not a good film looking back at it nah, it's not a good film nah like no, but see, like, even if it does play up to that idea, like, just being able to sit and experience, it's still, like, valid to an extent. Because I still got, you know, like, you still, if you're still feeling emotions, it doesn't matter if it's, like, you know, just because it's in the cinema or not or whatever, you know, like, that's part of the thing with... Yeah, I get that, but that, then then it crumbles in repeat viewings, because as soon as you buy that on, you know, your, your Blu-ray, your 4K, and you don't have that cinema experience, you're just stuck with this 25 quid kind of rubbish film. Well, I mean, I mean, aye, but then you can say that about fucking anything. Except from <laughs> just, good movies. Just saw Free Guy in the cinema, what a fucking belter. Now I watched it in the house, oh, shiter. You know, like, yeah. you, you could literally say it about any movie, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing. I mean, that's the, that's the usual flow of the conversation here. I'm buzzing, you know. But I yeah. think it'll be good. Look forward to proving you wrong. I um, look forward to keeping up my current streak of calling a movie shite by watching the trailer and the film actually being shite i think i'm somewhere like 47 and 0 right now oh really uh, well um uh, the latest uh the latest reviews for um june came out popping off some five-star baddies all over the place Aye. <laughs> I, i'm i'm not like that kind of level of hyped of it the way i think it's going to be a masterpiece because like i'd said in a previous you know it took me about eight nine ten months to read the book and when I eventually finished it, I don't actually like the book itself. Um, and I think I can see 100% now why it's such an, uh, been deemed such an unfilmable story. But 
I think that's that's gonna be. I, I'm just I'm quite confident in Villeneuve. He's not really missed the mark in his last like five movies. So even even if it isn't like the the greatest film, I still think he's gonna give it a fair whack. Yeah, you know, for for the the source material. Um, we had I saw like some some uh, video kicking about of uh. What's his name? Daniel Craig having a wee greet at the, in his last day of filming. Uh, with the, and he even addresses in that, which I kind of liked. Where he's like, oh, you know, there's a lot of things going about about, you know, what I think about these movies. But that's besides the point or whatever. Because I was thinking, I remember like news going about like Daniel Craig says he's rather like slit his wrists and then yeah. starring another James Bond movie. But then they offered him $50 million or something like that, you know. Which... But I kind of, I kind of like that about Daniel Craig, you know, in that way that he's not like willing to just be like, this movie's amazing because I'm in it and that's it really. Like he's still just been like, Ugh. and it has me kind of excited for his future now that he like being done with Bond. Um, also kind of excited to. I'm not. I hated Spectre, so like I'm not hyped, but this is been my like one and only James Bond pretty much. I've not I like seen like one Pierce Mor- uh, Morgan. Pierce Morgan. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. So like I'm not I'm not like a big Bond guy and this guy's been the only one that's been in it so far. I'm guessing you're thinking what you're thinking of Bond. I think it'll be shite as well. I'm sorry but I do. Because they're not they're not they're not making movies to tell stories anymore. They're making movies to push agendas or send a message or have a message it's not it's not about the story it's about you know holding a mirror up to society you know that shape but it's in every you know major studio release there's a time and place for that and it's just getting shoved down you know the consumer's throats and that's why i don't think bond's going to make the money it needs to make because there was rumblings that it has to make 900 million just to break even because the amount of time it's been on the shelf um <laughs> and did did you see the, the um headlines that were going about about craig with uh like his thoughts on like a uh, like a, a woman playing bond and of course like the typical yeah. newspapers twist it in the way that it's like he says why don't they just make like like studio execs and stuff basically make better roles for for women that would kind of in a way replicate james bond's success or uh, fame rather than just being like a female james bond and then of course i see all the places yeah. going Daniel Craig doesn't want a woman to play James. He doesn't think <laughs> they should touch it. You know, all of this. Yeah. Usual bullshit. Which is funny because I say it's bullshit and then like, you know, that's part of the industry that I'm in. So it's great. Gotta yeah. love it. Um, We had the... It is bullshit though. I'm not in that industry. It's bullshit. <laughs> clickbait. We love a bit of clickbait over here. That's the access media. That's journalism. Journalism. That's... That's just, let's take one sentence and bring it completely out of context and put it in all caps with an exclamation mark. <laughs> then you've got your headline, boys. <laughs> I do love an all caps, you know. Love chucking it in there. The odd exclamation point. Um, yeah. Here, here's something I know you'll be hyped about. Uh, Fantastic Beast: The Secrets Secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter guy. You're not a Harry Potter guy, are you? I understand why they're so popular, and I do. I do enjoy watching them. I'm not diehard 
Harry Potter and that, but I they're all right. What about the Fantastic Beast movies? Because I think they are some of the biggest pile of shit at, that that currently exist. I enjoy. I, I I did enjoy the first one when I watched it. I, I think I've only seen it in the cinema. Um, I thought it was pretty. Did you decent, see the I? Crimes of Grindelwald? Aye, that was not as. I decent, just, I just, I'm not an Eddie Redmayne guy. Like, I just, there's something about him that I can't, I can't take. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind so of like, the same. I, I don't, plus, I'm not like a huge Harry Potter person anyway. And just watching, I, I've just never enjoyed any of these these movies. Um, and the Secrets of Dumbledore seems to be like giant sigh. Like, I don't think anyone really wants these movies to to go on. I, I just don't really feel the demand. And now they're like fucking about. They've got. Uh, who's it? Mads Mickelson's now playing Johnny Depp's character. Um, yeah, I think someone else got the removed for it. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure on that, though, to be honest. But um, no, this is not. The the last movie was like one of the few where I was like, "Fuck, man, did I just leave? Did I just walk out because it's so bad? <laughs> it's like genuinely, I just, I just hate them." Yeah, um, but I uh, nothing. You get anything else that you've seen this week? Nah, nah, I don't Just think so. There was a trailer for West Side Story. Oh, was yeah. there? I'm excited what? for that as well, but <laughs> I, I, can't, didn't, I didn't realize I can't there was a fucking believe you, man. <laughs> shite, 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 West Side Story. Oh, I'm fucking excited for that one. Wait, it's Spielberg doing a Broadway classic. And I like the original West, West Side, Side Story it's anyway. It's all so. right, but it's like, why is it so long? Like, there's. That is a touch long, but. Spielberg doesn't really miss. I'm just gonna say it. The guy, the guy knows how to make an entertaining film. Mm. Okay. Oh, uh, and the other thing was um, Christopher Nolan's making some movie about the U bomb or something like that, but he's not doing it with Warner Brothers. He's doing it with Universal now. Yeah. Giant eye roll <laughs> for those who who can't see. Giant eye roll. He wants full creative control. In fact, he's got full creative what control and final movie cut. of his. Do you feel? Do you watch Tenet and think this feels like a movie that's been fucked about by the the studio? Like, no, it, it fucking doesn't. The guys probably don't had that any kind of issue like that, and you know, since the inception, he needs he needs someone to to rein his films, and I think I think he needs a good producer. Yeah, the, the, I, I'm not. I have not. I didn't like Tenet. I didn't like Dunkirk, and that's. You know what's now seven, eight years of his movies. The past seven, eight years, and he's had like obviously like I love some of his own movies. When we first started, we done like a top ten in a decade, and Interstellar was in there. Um, so yeah, like I do and do enjoy some of his movies, but like the last two just haven't been what I wanted from from him. And the sound, like just the the kind of it's the same thing like when Leonardo DiCaprio picks a kind of shite sound film. You're like, I love you, but why are you picking this project kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I've seen some jokes going about, though, that where it's like, I'm going to recreate the fucking whatever bomb, and they go, I have a CGI, right? And he's like, nah. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's going to do it for real, boys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so moving on now to the, to the main segment of the show. We've got our top five female performances of all time. I've got mine here on my phone i thought it was different i i, I didn't look at the episode and you've you've, you've been 
swinging me into a box for top five of all time. I, I was under the impression it was five. Oh, of yeah, yeah, sorry. Five yeah, yeah, sorry. Top. That's what we've done. Not, uh, not a definitive. That's top how you get the clickbait, mate. You got yeah. top five, all caps, female, you know, 10 exclamation no. points. That's what I just talked about, no. mate. No, no, just, it's Plot just like twists, favorite. All our minds, all our minds are rows of guys playing women. <laughs> Watch me get flamed in the comments uh, for that. Two weeks time. <laughs> New guy. <laughs> um yeah, so who do, do, like I'm gonna I'm gonna just yeah, like I, I agree with what you're saying though. I don't think these these might not be the best performances of all time. Just the same as it wasn't when I done you know, we done the, the male performances. These are just ones that we were really big fans of. I'm gonna hit it with a biggie though. You ready for it? ready linda hamilton terminator 2 pretty fucking good one because <laughs> what i like because there's obviously there's always like a bit of a discussion within film when it comes to to the roles of women in the sense that like you know like the irishman had like one woman and she just kind of sat at the side or whatever but then like and that's something that's echoed through a lot of different movies but then you have fucking linda hamilton walk in after being the damsel in distress pretty much for the first movie terminator 2 judgment day comes back fucking ripped mental and just like going all out for it and i just i just love it because it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like an ugly role as well i always have a huge respect for people like for actors that just like don't care about the fact that maybe they don't look they look stupid or maybe they don't you know look the most attractive in, in a way because i think you do get some like poncier actors that are a bit like that but linda hamilton in this role it is a very like ugly uh you know, like shouting and screaming when she's like getting rev- up for review to leave and it's almost like you feel the tension of the like she's just trying to act that way but then loses the fucking plot when she gets told no you're you're, you're still saying and we're gonna review it in six months or whatever it is and it completely i don't think watching terminator 2 for a second you just go no this doesn't seem like the woman that you know the the sarah connor i know from the last movie and that's because they do it in a way that's like not just she's just like a badass like say like when it comes to terminator dark fate she is just more of like a badass and that's kind of like just the character trait but here it's because it's like you found out about shit in the first movie, it's blowing your mind, it's freaking you the fuck out, and now it's like badass infused with a bit of like insane at the same time. And I think that's just so fucking cool, and it's why she's stood the test of time, become one of the most like iconic characters of, you know, when's that come out? 80s, 90s? 92. That's actually not as old as I thought it would be. Um... But yeah, that that that'll be my my first pick. Nice. We know it. We know it. We smirk. I like it. It's not it's not on my list, but I like it. I like all right, it. All right. Big Terminator Two fan over here. Uh, a lot of mine are more traditional roles, right. I'd say, but for very good reasons. First one I'm going to go with. I'm going to get all the ones that you've never seen out the way <laughs> first. I think. So. All fine. <laughs> Alright, I go with uh, Celia Johnson as Laura Jessen in Brief Encounter, David Lean's masterpiece. Um, an alien movie. From 1945. <laughs> yeah, an alien movie. 
No, it's about uh, a woman and a guy who fall in love in, a, in like in like in passing in a cafe, and they decide to meet every Thursday for like tea and whatnot, and you see the relationship blossom, but they both know nothing can ever come of it. Um, and it's just Celia Johnson's amazing in it because she goes through the entire range of you know you see somebody who's kind of like not necessarily unhappy with her home life, but there's this new level of excitement and it's almost giddiness from someone who's you know middle aged and going through the harbors of getting dinner ready for her husband and looking after the kids and it's she she plays it very very well this kind of blossoming relationship and then it's kind of mirrored with a not sad home life but the just kind of the ritualistic home life and i think those scenes of her in the in the station cafe that she's like almost ashamed to be meeting this new guy um and it's it's very very innocent and they they both kind of as it grows they realize they have to go their separate ways sort of thing towards the end because none of them want to leave their families I'm, I'm, this i'm gonna blow your mind here i i think I've you've seen, seen this it movie. they showed it when i did the hnc um at your college that might be it because like you're describing it to me and i'm like i recognize that story yeah it's it was the lecturer's favorite movie of all time and he made us watch it is this is this johnny <laughs> Aye, and I was like, that film was shite. And then uh, years later, I watched it again. I was like, whoa, this is actually amazing. <laughs> so I think she is absolutely fantastic. And this, I watched it again not that long ago when I was going through uh, one of my many David Lean kicks. So it's one of his earlier films. So big, big fan of Celia Johnson and and uh, and Brief Encounter. Aye, probably a good movie. I can't remember, mate. Great movie, great in and out movie. It's only on for about ninety minutes. It does everything you, you need it to do. Basically, it's all set in a station cafe, mm. and it's yeah, it's great. It's a it's a really really great movie. Mm. I think I seem to remember that I probably did like it. Um, my next one is another belter. It's a little five star number from myself. Uh, if if that gives you any hints to what it could be, it's also the complete fucking opposite from Linda Hamilton because it's actually a very nice role and a very nice person that you want to be friends with and it is uh, Meg Ryan and When Harry Met Sally <laughs> this movie like there's a reason it's like one of the best comfort movies of all time because it's just so fucking cosy there's this film it's just it's so simple and so kind of elegant in, the, in its structure considering it's like oh they meet here and they don't like each other, meet each other five years later and then five years later again. It's just kind of gradually going through this, a very natural kind of uh, will they, won't they scenario. And I mean, obviously part of the, the part of the, like the reason this film works so well is just Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are phenomenal in it. Like they're just, they just seem like the way, the back and forth, the kind of very natural feel that they have with one another. It's, it's like an on-screen chemistry I don't think I've really ever seen elsewhere in a way that they just feel like actually feel like decent friends and, and Meg Ryan for me like I like but Billy Crystal's kind of like the, the, well they're both funny in it they're both really funny obviously like Billy Crystal's like the funny guy in, in a way but like just the her like just the way that she plays this role, as genuinely as like, I'd like to be friends with that person. I, w- I want to hang out. I want to go strolling through Central Park with Meg Ryan in the fucking 80s or whatever it was. It's just so fucking good. And it's one of those, like, 
uh one of the few times when you're watching a romance movie and you like genuinely get like almost like a wee we crush on the person but just through their like their their personality because she just seems so fucking nice and i'm like i'll kind of repeat myself in the sense like i just don't think i've i've had watched a romance movie like that like you get the films where like oh that's sad like pulling my heartstrings because i know like this guy really likes her and she really likes him or all that kind of usual bullshit but like when harry met sally meg ryan in particular just she fucking seeps into your soul we are just like ah just me just me meg ryan and billy sitting down watching a movie it's fucking great. It's it's Aye. a fucking class performance. Like such a subdued one as well. Like she has obviously the, well, I say subdued, but like there's the funnier bits where it's like her doing the whole like orgasm thing in the middle of the restaurant and all this. But that mixed with like Rob Reiner's script as well, where it's just you know quite quick and witty and random as well. Like never seems like particularly to the point. But that's just mate. I feel like I need to. It's 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 the first day. Is it officially autumn now? I think it is. I think Good it no might idea. be. I think, I mean, when Harry met Sally, watch parties on its way. <laughs> I've never <What>? seen it. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a joke. That is a joke. You need, nah, I, yeah. I think you would really, well, I don't know what you like with, with like romance films. Yeah, I like them. I like, I like Billy Crystal. I like Rob Reiner's movies, so I don't see why I wouldn't it has, like it's it. It's just, it, it, it's like, not your typical romance film, but is at the same time. I think that's what's really special about it, because like it's, it has like the, a, a bit of a different structure to it, but it still has like the same kind yeah. of familiar beats at, at points. But just the way that it goes about it and its whole kind of presentation, I think, is just just a lot better. Um, yeah. in that in that sense, like, I, I think I may have seen like half of it one night on Channel Four in like two thousand and one <laughs> or something. So just a wee back bit ago, the summer holidays. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh well, you need to watch that one. Tell me, mate. It's class. No, I. It's on my it's, list. It's fucking class. It's on my right, list. Right, so um, I suppose you don't have much of an opinion on that one. <laughs> no, not really. Sounds good, though. It is. It really, really is. It's genuinely one of my favourite movies. On that, on that coveted nice. five-star letterbox list that you love so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I. It's like they're a bit like nobody's <laughs> business. Such bullshit. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a friend actually that like we read five star movies out to one another from our letterbox list and he went on for fucking ages and I remember just like wow oh, really that's a lot <laughs> I did just do a, a 10 out of, a 5 out of 5 uh, review for a game that came out this week I think it might be my first 5 out of 5 nice. that I've put out professionally nice check out Deathloop folks <laughs> pretty fucking good definitely uh, will gotta buy it <laughs> Gotta buy it from a Sony PlayStation. That makes you sound like an older bastard than calling it your Sony PlayStation. <laughs> I'll buy you one for Christmas. I'm alright. It'll literally lie in it's the a, box. It, it, it's a fucking 4K Blu-ray player as well. Got one of them, mate. Yeah, Don't need that. big and white. Big tall white one. Don't care. It's, some, it's a futuristic looking thing. Nah. I right, tell it's covered in dust and we've got to dust it every second day. No, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were a tidy lad anyway. No. 
can see uh-huh. a couple of cans yeah. sitting in the window ledge. What's this all about? I know, that's, that's my wee, that's two wee cans oh. for later on. Two wee, can, two, two wee cans of uh, strawberry and lime cider from my ass <laughs> It's quite sad that I'm recognising that, film. like fuzzy as fuck. And I'm just, is that a couple there? A couple there on the window. <laughs> Gonna gonna have two of them to build up to going back to work tomorrow. Uh, Some liquid courage. I might just tank them both before I get to my work tomorrow. Stay alive in the podcast. We'll laugh. I'm eating grapes here anyway. Just, I've been leaning away from the mic every <laughs> every bite. <laughs> okay. Oh no, can you do that? But right, what's your next one then? My next one is another film you have this seen, I don't think. Uh shock horror. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really have a reason for liking this as much as I do. I just do. And it's um it's Rita Hayworth as Elsa Bannister and the Lady from Shanghai, where she was directed by and co-starred with Orson Welles. So long story short, Orson Welles has got a tremendously bad Irish accent in this. It. And he's hired hired to uh work on Rita Hayworth's rich husband's yacht. It's like in a, a a ship's mate when they go on a big tour, so she's just the kind of stereotypical, and I'm I'm kind of giving it away. She's I don't even know what the word is. Like, um, do you know how in like film noir you have the 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 stereotypical woman with the the curly blonde hair and the red dress and you know, like a femme Aye. fatale. She's 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 that in this film, and she just plays it so perfectly. And her her um, she switches between characters, and she has you thinking it's gonna go one way, and it's there's a really nice twist at the end. But I'm trying not to give this film that's uh, seventy years old away to anybody who <laughs> might want to watch it because it is as a really really good film, and Rita Hayworth is bloody tremendous. Rita Hayworth, who is um, she in again? Lady from Shanghai. <laughs> Something else, but <laughs> she was in her other stuff. Uh, that you probably recognise her from the Shawshank Redemption because Andy gets one of her posters up, and it's the the book's called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank I think, Redemption. I think you have just maybe mentioned her a few times. Maybe that's why. Maybe I've got a big poster of the lady from Shanghai up in the just back of my cool. door. So, a couple of pennies on the shelf, Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Poster on the wall. Yeah, hail up in the wall. <laughs> Sorted. But no, I she's she's tremendous. Um, I it, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than she's tremendous because I really don't li- like the idea of giving away everything. And if you start talking about one thing about the lady from from Shanghai, it's like a proper, like really good like film noir mystery kind of lead you down one path, takes you down another sort of thing. It's a really underrated Austin Wells movie. And both him and her are amazing in it. Uh, so yeah, Rita Hayworth, Lady from Shanghai. I just really, really, really like the film and I really like her in it. So that's how you're getting it at me. That's, that's the only reasons I need. <laughs> Fair enough. I've got a kind of similar one for that next up. Um, and this this is kind of like my... Uh, whapping out my... like What was it? Tom Hanks or something last time. It's just like one more like... I don't necessarily know... I feel like I like the whole performance. It's just there was just something about the person. Well, maybe it wasn't Tom Hanks. I can't remember. There was one that I done like this. So there's like just someone that I kind of like or I, I began to like in their career, and then like the movie that I kind of point to, and I'm like, ah, that person's not bad. 
And uh, that's uh, Florence Pugh in Midsummer, because or Midsummer, because she is it's it's almost kind of hard to describe in that movie. Like obviously she's going through a lot of like heartbreak and so on and so forth. Yeah, have you have you seen the movie? I don't think you have. Have you? Oh, you have. Yeah, I have. Do you like it? Did you yeah. like it better than Hereditary? I, I, I Hered- yeah. You did. A lot, a lot better. I thought Hereditary would be shit. Oh, Just to tell you yeah. that Hereditary is another one of them five star bangers for me. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I don't hand them it that much, and then twice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Florence Pugh in that movie, I, I think there's just something quite um, uh, sort of like what we were talking about with Linda Hamilton. Like it is quite like a, a, a like an ugly performance because she's constantly like really upset, and I think some people would maybe see like her reactions is almost like a little over exaggerated because she's got this very like big fucking Robert De Niro frown yeah. when she's you know when she's being all sad but I kind of liked I kind of liked it because it felt a bit more like natural despite the movie being everything but natural but like it, it in that movie and Ari Aster kind of allowed it to just take its time with her in a performance and just you know allow you to seep it in and there's a very kind of weird like haze to her performance i think because she's so uh numb from like the death of her family like her sister and her family yeah her mum and dad because they had like this horrible accident or well sort of murder suicide at the beginning of the movie and just like the way that it's almost like that has kind of numbed their senses and everything else that's happening to her it's sort of you know she's not taking it in the way that you would if you were just like naturally there, she's not freaking out or anything like that because it's it's just like, ah, uh, well, nothing really matters in that in that kind of way until it's the big extremes of some guy gets his head caved in by a hammer or, uh, she has like the big when she finally has like that big emotional sort of epiphany when like all of the women come together and they're all like crying and shit, and despite like I didn't actually really like the movie itself especially when like half of the fucking cinema was laughing the head off when the whole like sex ritual happens um there's my phone going off bloody terrible bloody terrible oh, that's my mate that said to me earlier i'll call you back in 10 seconds at 12 o'clock in the day <laughs> <laughs> it's not 12 o'clock in the day now i'll tell you but um yeah so there was there was there's just something about that and that kind of muted sense to everything else being really really weird because and it it plays really well into the the kind of feel of the movie as well because it is like everyone just is kind of like going on as normal even though they're like something's weird here but we're not quite sure what it is and i think she's like the kind of pinnacle of how why some elements of the movie work so i I, and continuing on for that partly because i I didn't want to put fucking florence pugh in black widow you know but like i really liked her i liked her in black (laughs) widow uh there was something else i'd seen her and i can't quite remember at the moment um but like yeah i'm just she's one of those kind of personalities that i'm coming to like just just kind of by their presence in a movie um and i think that's because she always does have like a kind of natural uh performance to everything that she does so you got a florence pugh yeah is that, a, is that a nah for you cool ah uh, i mean i i wouldn't necessarily put her on any lists of my favorite top performances, five but I, female performances of all time here on the yeah. film aspect 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think she would be in mine. I think there's a lot of I don't know. If if you like her, you like her. It's you know, it's one mm. of those things. A lot of people don't like a lot of people for a lot of reason. And a lot of folk like a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So there you go. There's my philosophy <laughs> on liking stuff. That's you either do or you don't. <laughs> um so I I mean I fine. No bother. <laughs> On you go then, what's your next uh, one? <laughs> uh I'm gonna go I think the next three of mine in fact I think all of them apart from Rita Hayworth have taken home the Oscar for mm. Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress. So I'm gonna jump into uh who is perhaps the best I'm going to say that. Uh, I'm going to drop drop uh, a hot take right now. Perhaps the best female performer on the planet right now, mm. and uh, it is Viola Davis as Rose Maxson from Fences, because she is everything in that film. She is. I'm. I'm going to go to a limb and say she's everything in every film she's in. Viola Davis is fucking tremendous. I don't care who knows it. But Fences was the one, is still the one, is still the benchmark. She's just a, a powerhouse for as good as Denzel Washington is in that film. She is with him and probably even like goes above and beyond what he's bringing to the table because Denzel is a powerhouse in that mm. film as well. But Viola Davis just commands everything, every single frame, every single you know time she's on screen, she commands it. And it's just an absolutely like flawless performance um in fences and i think that is aided by I'm, I'm sure she was in the cast when they did it on on broadway or off mm. broadway um because denzel did it for a few years i'm sure it was the majority of the cast who was on broadway who did the film um i could be talking shit there but i, th- I think there was something to do with that and it, it shows because everybody's so relaxed and comfortable in their roles in that film because it gets pretty ugly at points mm. Um, you know, it's Denzel basically taking out his frustrations of not being able to uh, be a professional baseball player on his son, who's uh somebody's coming to like to view him for a scholarship, and Denzel doesn't want his son to do it. He wants him to get into like, I know, a safe job. It's been a while since I've seen Fences, but I know that's the big kind of um uh. What's the word? Can't think of the word. Point. What? No, that's the big um. <laughs> can't think of the word anyway that's what that is and Viola Davis is just fucking tremendous in the entire thing start to finish front to back and that's why I've, I've put her in my list I think um, I never got around to seeing that that was one of those like saw it in the trailers and it had that really good like it was like one scene kind of trailer where it's just him uh, Denzel Washington giving a monologue to this guy and I went to go and see it and then it was three hours long and I was like oof don't know <laughs> and then i never <laughs> got around to seeing it but um i'll maybe check it out because i'm feeling like a wee bit of a denzel um binge coming on soon i th- i think denzel washington legit gives like an 18 page monologue at some point in the film it just talks like and i'm sure it's like a continuous shot where it just fucking goes and it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing to watch it's gonna be in a new Macbeth with the one of the cat i'm sold the, <laughs> sold can't wait i ain't gonna be fucking great he is such an underrated actor i think for all the stuff he does for like, like denzel washington being cool and denzel washington doing his action stuff like the equalizer and you know the kind of 
all those action movies he did in the early 2000s to mid 2000s I think people still overlook him as a fucking tremendous dramatic mm. actor because he really is yeah I can't I can't disagree <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna save what I think you will perceive as my best one to last um, and I'm gonna go up with my next one from a movie that I actually saw this year and that was Olivia Cook and Sound of Metal playing Lou. Sound of Metal was a, a a movie I was I had been really looking forward to for a while. It's it's uh, Riz Ahmed playing a drummer who goes deaf and essentially is like constantly kind of clawing back at the 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 idea of getting his hearing back because he, obviously it's everything that he is like he's a he's a musician kind of through and through. But then kind of having to come to grips with maybe that won't be something that you can get and Olivia Cook is kind of like the the thing that um that uh Riz Ahmed's character is kind of aiming towards to get out of it but she's actually like such a I don't know like a she's a really damaged character but for so much of the movie you don't actually know why um and it's like he sends her away and he's he's like living on his own and he, he's like eventually I'll get round to you know getting back to you and it just kind of culminates um and a lot in this kind of final scene where the two of them are in the bed and he's finally come back and he's finally done like obviously spoils from the movie a little bit but like he's finally come back to this um uh, managed to meet up with her again he's done some things with his hearing I'm not going to specifics and you know, they're lying there and he's just talking about like, oh, we got to get back to the way things were, like going out and, and doing this and that. But then the, like, like without saying anything, like she has this look in her face where it's like, he's actually pretty, like was good to dig her out of whatever hole she was in. But now she's at a point where the time without her, without him has actually done, done her really well as well. So now it's kind of like a crossroads where he's like, well, I've been doing this whole thing to get back to you and now I'm back to you and now let's go back to the way things were. And she just has this look where it's like, they can't be together anymore. Like they have to, like she is better off without him. And neither of them really say anything for a while. And it's just, it's fucking phenomenal because just the look in her face, because just, just says it all where she's like, she really wants to say yes, but she knows that she can't that she knows that she really shouldn't and it was kind of the moment for me that sold the whole movie like the the point where i was like this is a good a good film <laughs> i think um and it, a lot of that came down to her which is amazing considering that she isn't actually in it an awful lot she's only really at the, the beginning a wee bit in the middle and then at the end of the movie as well uh but i think olivia cook in that film was was fantastic you're a bit of an olivia cook fan aren't you I don't know, am I? I'm pretty sure you cast her once. Olivia Cook, I've never even heard of her. Cook with an E at the end. Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make a fucking difference. Um, I'm telling you, you do. I, you'll recognise her for something. I think she oh, was... Uh, I think she was the bird in Ready Player One as well. She is in Ready Player One. Uh, that's the only thing like... I've ever seen her from. Oh, alright. I thought you... Oh no, she was in Ouija. <laughs> Can I see Ouija, please? <laughs> Ticket for Ouija. <laughs> I 
I know it's Ouija, by the way, for the listeners out there. <laughs> it, was a, a, it was an in-joke from when we used to work in the cinema. You know, I think I might have been gone by that point. What? I'm pretty sure. But I know, like, that's exactly the kind of stupid shit you would get in the cinema all the time. <laughs> so I got the reference, but, like, I think... <laughs> so it was, I, I think don't it know was if I was there. Ouija the beginning or something. Ouija. What a class movie. Is that Mike Flanagan, actually? Because I was sure it had, like, a pretty surprising director, like, the kind where you would have suspected it wasn't. Uh, um, no, Styles White. All right, Styles White. Uh, who did pretty much nothing else. Yeah, directed one movie, Ouija. <laughs> or, Ouija Origin of Evil, that was the one that came out when we worked. The uh, sadly, none of the performances for that movie are making it into this list today. Unfortunately. Uh, you gonna help with your uh, your second last pick then? Mike Flanagan did do Ouija Origins of Evil though. He did. Yeah. Look at me pulling out the trivia at my ass. Very excited for his next. Uh... Are you excited for this series? Nah. Midnight but Mass. Mi- nah, nah. Nah. Yeah, probably be. Seems right up your street. You think so? And that a Stephen King adaptation. Stephen King adaptations are very hot and cold. Oh, I this find. one might be hot. Apparently, it's hot. Yeah, uh, if it's got this guy attached, I doubt it. I wasn't about it. How, oh, no, how's that? Haunting of Hill House was class. I didn't like it. We went through this when you made me fucking watch that and the other season, the Haunting of Blind Manor. I'll say the second one wasn't that good, but the first one was class. Eh. Uh, Anyway, moving anyway, on. Anyway, aye, your your next pick. Who you who you got? Before I get flamed in the comments, I another Oscar winning performance, not from me, but from from my pick. And I feel as if this is one that should be on everybody's like list of favorite performances. And it is Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes in Misery. And it's just she's just fucking great in it she just plays the part so well because it's supposed to be this this sort of unassuming woman who's just excited that her favorite writers crashed and she's she's so happy to be helping looking for uh, looking after them and then it slowly twists and turns and the wee things that um what's his name yeah james can does that kind of teats her over the edge and when he does stuff wrong she just snaps in a flash and then tries to bring herself back together. She just does that sort of thing so well all the way through the film up until the kind of the big climax of, you know, the fight they get into and obviously the breaking of the ankles, the the hobbling scene. But even then, even when she shows her ugliest side, she always thinks everything's going to be alright. She can always make everything alright. Um, and that's, you see as well in the film, that's a facade she's putting on to, to as Paul something, I can't remember James Gunn's character's name. But like when you take her into like scenes in her bedroom and she's got all this stuff running about her and she's eating in the bed and stuff like that and it's a really kind of like not very nice. It's very different to what the way she portrays in front of him and it's just two sides of a character. And again, he's been on the list before. Rob Reiner is again an underrated director. I think he does a fantastic job with the source material in this film. I think Misery is is such a good movie because it's it's a, it's in and out as well. It only lasts as long as it needs to last. It's like ninety minutes, an hour forty maybe. I think, mm-hmm. and it gets everything that uh, that needs to be done right in that time frame. I mean, she's tremendous in it. Kathy Bates is flipping tremendous in it. That's a that's a hot Stephen King adaptation then. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> very hot. 
<laughs> I've never seen it. Misery's great. I think you'd really like it. I started, I'm pretty sure I started the book a long time ago. Um, however, I was interrupted by a cat at the time and <laughs> I just uh, stalled the process and never get back to it. Hot take. Hot take again. I This is one of the rare occasions. I think the movie is actually better than the book. I thought you were going to hit it with like, hot take. Cats are the fucking worst. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I enjoyed the movie more than I enjoyed the book because I, I seen the film first it, uh, obviously before I read the book and usually if that happens I'm like oh my god how did I enjoy that film as much when there's so much more in the book but what happens in the film is essentially all of the good bits of what happens in the book Yeah. so you get that feeling and that sort of that closure from what happens on screen that's just how I, how I feel anyway but yeah Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes in Misery not directed bad. by Rob Reiner, 1990. Are you ready for my big boy here? Um, I, I think it may be one of my honourable mentions, because I've got two. I think it might be one of those. Right, okay. Uh, I, oh, I don't think it is, isn't it? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so my last pick um, is from a movie I know Brian likes. I'm uh, I'm just getting up this uh, this sheet just so I get everything right. You know? I think it might be who I think it is then. It's uh, <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee is Daisy Domergan. Yeah, the hateful eight. What a fucking character! What a fucking performance! The hateful eight. I mean, it, it's really just filled to the brim with that. And I think what I always really respected about uh, Jennifer's performance in the movie saying it like my, my old bud jennifer yeah. <laughs> uh what i really respected about that is like i had never actually heard of jennifer jason lee before this then you're coming into a movie that's got fucking kurt russell it's got samuel jackson it's got walter goggins it's got i always forget his fucking name for some reason the guy M- michael madsen you've got uh, tim roth tim roth you've got tim bro- roth. the old guy what's his name oh um What's his name? The old man, anyway. Oh, fuck. What? Bruce I know Dern. his name. Bruce Dern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have all of these huge, huge names, and a lot of them playing pretty big characters as well, and still for, I don't know if I'd say, like, the absolute highlight of the movie, but, like, because I just love, I just love Kurt Russell in it. But for me, like, she was standing toe-to-toe with all of those people every step of the way because she's just as she's actually the most fucking vile out of them all and it's the way you know like if she gets punched she'll sit and smile with her bloodied you know grin and she's just constantly horrible and then you have like it build all the way up to the point where when she's eventually like hung by walter goggins and samuel jackson it's a bit of a weird moment as well because it's like you kind of don't want to look in a way because it's quite grim but it's also like, finally, this fucking person's dead because you know every opportunity they can get, they're going to like do something evil. You know, like, uh, Kurt Russell is about to die because he's just swallowed, you know, poison coffee, but she'll still take that opportunity to blast him in the chest to make sure she's the one that gets the final blow. And it's it's it kind of sells the movie it's kind of the glue of the whole movie of why everyone's on edge because it's such a good dy- dynamic range of like the quiet characters like michael madsen or bruce stern to then go all the way to like 
she's just the most fucked up, like crazy one out of them all. And she's also the kind of the 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 reason that all of them are there and all of them are in this situation in the first place. And it's just it's oh, it's so good. It's it's really really good. And it's just why I think as well like balances complete disgust, humor at bits as well. And then like also even like bits where she's in a way like a bit more comfortable with Kurt Russell as well. So it's just like a whole like range of things. It's in such a really dynamic character that I think it's just it's it really stands out to me all of the time. And then like any time like I've maybe spotted her and things like maybe a like annihilation, I'm like, oh, it's fucking Daisy Domergu. So aye. One one of the most memorable characters out of that. I think like if you were to say the hateful way as <laughs> regret to inform you folks, another one of them five star bangers. But yeah. if you <laughs> If you talk about that movie, first character I'm going to think of is probably Daisy Domergu. Just like, yeah. come to my head is the, is the first thing. And that's a, a real testament to Jennifer Jason Lee's performance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only reason she's not in my, my top five is because I knew she was going to be in yours. Aye. So I, yeah, because <laughs> I left her as an honourable mention. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 I chopped and changed um, my list quite a bit. Because I, I actually had more trouble because I think I had more time to think about it. I had more trouble getting this list than I did the guys. But I left it, I realised I left it so many good like performances because we did, I think we did the guys one so quickly and I was just like, ah, these will do. Aye. And then when I had time to think about it because I didn't have any like Montgomery Clift, I didn't have any, I would not have chosen what I did for Marlon Brando. Um and just stuff like that. I didn't have any like Robert Redford or I know I, I did have a Gene Hackman, but anyway, that's I digress. But, uh, yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee's Daisy Domingo is definitely, definitely one of my like favorite performances as well. But I've saved the big guns for last, oh. and I know for a fact you have not seen this film, so I'm not even gonna. <laughs> I thought you said you were getting the ones I hadn't seen out of the way first, and yeah, it turns out until... the only fucking one I have seen was your first movie. <laughs> This one, um, yeah, the big guns. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say right now that this, in my opinion, is the greatest on-screen performance of any actress of any time, and it is. And I was so blown away by it because I watched it again just to make sure because I hadn't seen the film in about ten years, and I watched it just to make sure. And as soon as she comes on screen, that is it, and it is um. And she tops a lot of lists, by the way. <laughs> I, I looked this up, and it's it's Vivian Lee as Blanche Dubois in a streetcar named Desire. She is unfucking believable in this film. Everything as soon as she shows up uh, out of the the fog and the mist uh, in front of the streetcar, which is called Desire, by the way. Oh, it's uh, a- <laughs> and she, yeah, she shows up to Stella's apartment, and the whole interaction. This is what I was. I, I was in a wee tangent there. To, to go on a wee tangent again for a second Marlon Brando in this film is unfucking real as well I cannot believe I said Marlon Brando Apocalypse Now, he's amazing in Apocalypse Now but I hadn't seen this film in like 10 years and watching it I was just sitting like I was like he's just he's just that much better than everybody he's just he's just levels above what anybody else can do as an on screen actor and yeah that's also about Brando in this because Vivian Lee, as good as he is in this film she takes the place by storm and because she's she's so erratic she's 
panicky. She's she's like faking her happiness. She's trying to build a new life, escape from an old life. She's trying to protect Stella and push Stanley away, but she's trying to have a relationship with Stanley. And all of these things happen in this film, and and uh, Vivian Lee just transitions from emotion to emotion so seamlessly and so perfectly, and she's always at the exact right level of intensity that you need her to be for the scene as for what's happening in the scene at the moment for what's just happened for what's about to come she just she goes through it like perfectly as it's the best performance from a, from a female performer i've <laughs> ever seen and i'll probably say that till the day i die she is unfucking believable in it the only person who i've seen top her and i didn't have a chance to watch this film apparently the only thing that may be better than this is Elizabeth Taylor and Cannot Hot Tin Roof. It takes a lot of number one prizes for, for spots for best female actress. But as it stands right now, Vivian Lee as Blanche Dubois and a streetcar named Desire is just 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 unfucking untouchable. Untouchable, mate. <laughs> Does they come close? I'll tell you one thing. I have actually seen that movie. Oh, have you? <laughs> <laughs> because I studied in English during school. So we had Streetcar Named Desire, and uh, what's the other one? It's like a, oh, a Sweet Bird of Youth. Right. All right, books, you know. <laughs> Aye. Apparently, I've, I, I think, um, I can't remember if I'd read the Tennessee Williams, uh, if I'd read the play or not. Because I went through a, a wee stage of uh, like watching movies and reading the book or reading the play that it was based on at the same time. Cause, um, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a tremendous play, but it's, it's not really a lot like the book, mm. which is which is interesting to see. Bye. Not bad. Great. Who's your, uh, your honourable mention then? Well, honourable mention didn't make the, the cut because I had this movie the last time and it was Lupita Nyong'o as Patsy in 12 Years a Slave. And oh, I, you had... Uh, I had Michael Fassbender. Uh, I didn't want to have that. I didn't want to use the same film twice because I felt like that was a bit of a cop out. But she is, she's, she's amazing in Twelve Years a Slave as well. Uh, at one of the honourable mentions I had, and it was, or the only honourable mention I had, is something a movie I've not probably seen in about ten years, but I always just remember how uncomfortable it made me feel. And it was uh, Natalie Portman in Black Swan. Yeah, that was a really unnerving movie, and I like mixed with her and Mila Kunis were just like fantastic and and it just it proper riled me that movie where like yeah. I woke up I, I like I didn't have like a good sleep I woke up in the morning still <laughs> thinking about it like fuck man that movie's just it, it, it gets under your skin um I mentioning under the skin Scarlett Johansson was pretty close pretty close I'm kind of surprised I didn't include a Scarlett Johansson pick Lost in, her, her role in Lost in Translation was pretty fucking close for a bit um, I, I had also considered uh, Rooney Mara for both A Ghost Story and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo A Ghost Story in particular is one of those experiences I know for a fact like is a sh- not a shit movie like people won't like I would 100% get why people don't like it and it just liking it entirely depends on you just kind of going with the flow and getting really into the mood with for that kind of movie because it's essentially it's pretty much like not a lot of dialogue it's it's pretty it's pretty much like a literally a ghost in a white sheet watching his wife (laughs) move on after he's died and there was something about it 
her performance and it got it got me good it's really fucking fantastic movie so that's another uh, i said i only had one and then i started rattling a bit but um happens though doesn't it you uh, see it why and you think of another one because i'm quite upset that i didn't have kate winslet in here um specifically for like um uh wonder if you'll see the woody allen film she did a few years ago with jim belushi and justin timberlake's in it uh, she plays like a like a kind of disgruntled wife who ends up having an affair with justin timberlake and her whole kind of world comes crashing down she's she's fucking tremendous in that and i didn't even didn't even get to mention my girl my home girl margot robbie and anything because <laughs> I, I would have i would have said everything apart from uh one of the films i watched of hers recently which was kind of shite but everything apart from that definitely <laughs> so just as a quick uh, uh rundown my picks were I should probably look at the list before I start trying to memorise this. I had uh, Florence Pugh in Midsummer, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, Meg Ryan in When Harry Met Sally, Olivia Cooke in Sound of Mel, and Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight. Yep. I had Celia Johnson as Laura Jessen in Brief Encounter, Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes in Misery, Rhea Hayworth as Elsa Bannister and The Lady from Shanghai, Viola Davis as Rose Maxson in Fences, and the powerhouse that is Vivian Lee is Blanche Dubois in a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So before we we finish for the day, what have you been watching this week? I have been watching uh, the aforementioned shite Margot Robbie film, which is Dreamland, which came out in 2019. I think it was one of those release it to festivals, didn't do it very well, so they bumped it on now TV. And it's just like uh it's like she plays like somebody who's on the run, they robbed the bank and she holds up in this wee guy's barn, like a teenage boy. Mm. And his dad's like a detective. So they, they eventually like quote unquote fall in love and then go on the run and it all goes downhill from there it's it's really really rubbish um so i watched that uh, i legit the only reason i watched it was because margot robbie's in it and i'm like i enjoy her i enjoy her acting and her face so i watched that and uh turns out it was kind of shit she was good in it that's what i find frustrating about her career i think she's always the very good to tremendous in movies like in that kind of bracket she's mm. always very very good in movies but the movies are more often than not shite so i feel as if she just needs either a better agent or <laughs> like something to get her in that will really really highlight her and, and put her in a film that she deserves to be in and the it's only a, other it's just your like resignation from podcasting to become Margot Robbie's <laughs> PR assistant I'll put her in one of my movies I don't know if, I don't know if I can afford it but if she wants to come and, and do some some indie stuff some really fucking pretentious indie movies <laughs> I'll do that for the next year aye aye um, can't wait we'll start reviewing them on the show <laughs> absolutely not even I'd I'd call them shite um the only other thing I watched was I bit the bullet. I didn't even buy on any offers or any deals. I just straight up paid for Unforgiven on 4K. And I do not regret a single penny because I watched that the other night and I'm like, this is just fucking great. This is this is perhaps the best American Western ever made. And it's just, it, it always lives up to the hype for me. It always does exactly what I wanted to do. And it's just fucking amazing what was the 4k like 
it's it's a strange one. It's just <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid, but it's just really high quality. Like <laughs> it, 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 it's not. It doesn't look like a modern film. See, when sometimes when you upscale old movies, the it kind of looks. Aye. It looks its age. Unforgiven just looks like Unforgiven, except like higher quality. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't age the film any. It doesn't seem like it's a film that was shot in nineteen ninety two. Could have been shot today under the same circumstances of like being shot on film and whatever. So it looks good. Nothing pops that doesn't need to pop because I've seen some of that. It's like Escape from New York's pretty bad for that sometimes. Where it looks like a film of its age, Unforgiven mm. just looks like a fucking timeless masterpiece that it is. So yeah, well, Great. I'll be expecting that one in the post this week. Aye, now that I've given you your your DVDs back, I finally done it. <laughs> so I don't know what the excuses are now. I'm I know. I, I just don't fucking get it. That's the excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I saw um, I saw a couple of uh, a couple of things this week. I started watching this like nine eleven turning point documentary on Netflix, which was like in part like uh, it was really fascinating and then also really not at the same time. I think um I love listening to like the survivor stories as kind of like a direct like for whatever reason. Well, I mean I say for whatever reason. Obviously, it's a massive fucking tragedy. That's probably why. But it like proper. It's like a proper tearjerker for me anytime I watch any of those kind of nine eleven documentaries. Um, but it starts whenever it starts to go into like the kind of political side of it. It really kind of started to lose me. Um, I also I started watching this show that almost makes me like jealous of the person that came up with it because i think it's a fucking genius idea and it's a show called only murders in the building which stars steve martin martin short and selena gomez who are a murder podcast enthusiasts that start to try and solve a murder within their building whilst producing their own podcast about it and what's really funny because it's quite you know snappy and like obviously it's fucking great to see steve martin again i've not seen him in anything in ages and, you know, him going back and forth with, like, Martin Short's really eccentric and he's, uh, Steve Martin's, like, this old TV star who's, like, still a bit poncy about it, but they also kind of not at the same time. And then Selena Gomez is really mysterious and, like, obviously the young one of the group. And it's, like, the fact that when they're making this podcast, they're, like, trying to be, like, what would this podcast be like? What Like, what's the good hook and who's the good suspect out of this? Like, not try to look at the facts, just, like, who would make a good suspect for a podcast about a murder and that just kind of takes it off in these weird tangents it's really funny there's like there's a there's an episode that features like a celebrity and it's just like that person killed you know is the murderer and all this and it's just it's really fucking funny i've really been enjoying it sadly it was four episodes in when i noticed it and now it's on to the week to week so i watched the fifth last night and i fucking hate having to watch them like that because they're only half hour episodes and they're just really not satisfying watch i'm just being you know conditioned by the netflix thing now to just want to watch it all at the same time so that's my only gripe and i also saw two movies i saw cop shop we've got jerry butler and that was pretty pretty great i I really enjoyed it it was basically a guy gets arrested he's in prison someone else gets brought in it's jerry butler turns out he's actually a hitman trying to kill him but then there's someone else trying to break into the prison to kill the you know the other guy it's like hitman going against this guy and then there's a there's a police officer who's like really like you know straight and narrow kind of person but then like 
having to try and decide who to trust and it like it kind of does keep you in your toes for a lot of the movie where you can't quite tell like who is going to be the bad guy and who's the good guy and i just really enjoyed that and then surprise of the fucking week i saw malignant after telling you that i was thinking about oh, seeing it. Aye, aye. it was actually pretty good and i think i genuinely think you will like that movie because it's proper like like if you like killer sofa yeah and that way you're gonna like malignant because it's just fucking like it starts out so stupid you know it's like she's like please don't do this again he's like well maybe you shouldn't have got pregnant you know like her her partner's <laughs> saying this to him and all this you know so it's like proper shit dialogue for a lot of it and there's some really like <laughs> a bit where she says something like i'm adopted and it does this proper zoom in and it's just like music picking up and everything so it was like really funny and proper hammy you know like it starts you know they get this fucking mental asylum that's like huge and sitting on a cliff stage and you get the moon and the trees and all this and then like i think the trailers are really doing it a disservice because they're trying to make it out like it's this stereotypical oh there's a murderer and she's somehow connected to it and what's the you know why is she able to see these murders and it's really like not but even the the hook of the trailers takes about half of the movie to come into it but the end of the movie is fucking hilarious but like in all the best ways so i really enjoy it i would actually i would actually watch it again but i know you will like it genuinely i think i think you should um but uh, <laughs> looking ahead to the future what were you doing this weekend brian Oh, the weekend of the century, <laughs> calling it, even though we're quite early on in. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, all IMAX. in the one go. IMAX, and baby. digital IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I, anyway. I'm still trying to figure out who's looking after my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I so uh, I, I just was like, IMAX, Lord of the Rings, I, I am gone. So, um... Pfft got stuff to do but you know lord of the rings is on when lord of the rings calls you answer yeah you know that's... especially especially back to back if it was like one like a film a night i'd be like nah fuck that i've not got time for that but because it's on just Aye. all on the one go yeah definitely and uh, i'm really hoping these seats aren't like your stereotypical uh audience seats are they i've never been to the dimax at the i'm nervous about that because Greyhead. they are really uncomfortable in the normal audience seats so anytime i think i've been to brayhead twice to watch something and i i don't remember the seats being as bad as the old that we usually Blade go Runner to. and i don't really remember them being as uncomfortable but well i suppose we'll we'll get real familiar with those seats we'll come back <laughs> with a comprehensive review after sitting there for 10 hours pretty much yeah thank god they're not the extended editions <laughs> i kind of wish they were because the theatrical films are pretty pish i, I say, wish the first the 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 first and third were but the second wasn't that's how i think i would watch the lord of the rings from now on is like first extended second theatrical third extended what the second the second movie has some just like quirky but you know like the fucking bit with the soup like aragon's like oh oh that's nice i i really don't need that to extend my fucking time up past 12 Ah, hours it's the, it's the wee bits in between the big action set pieces that really make the movie aye okay right we'll just agree to disagree but anyway thanks everyone for listening uh we'll catch you in the next episode see you then